0: precious name. Amen. And so this week is our third week of this topic on parenting, what no one ever told us. And so Brother Max, there's a picture of his family. He has nine grandkids? No, six. Okay. There they are. Count one, two, three. So six, you have two children, right?
1: There were a few years that did seem like
0: they no it. <laughs> so Max is going to come share. So his two kids are here. So I want to have it. John and Kathleen. Would you guys stand? This is his two kids. No, come on. Come on. Stand. If you're done, I'll throw you out of the service. You need to stand. Let's go. <laughs> so that is their two kids. Max, is, Max and Carol's two kids. For those that are new, you can sit down now, John. <laughs> See, John and I have great hair. We have the same haircut. So we had to, we had to share that off. So Max here has been a member here. He's going to share for many, many years. And Him and Carol have been just godly examples for all of us young couples who are uh, rearing kids up in our times of raising kids. So Max, I'm so glad you're sharing this topic of marriage and the picture of unity. And, um, and so he's gonna just share his testimony and share what God has for him. So let's welcome Max to the, to the podium.
1: Well, good morning. Uh, much bigger crowd than the uh, earlier service. Uh, no less intimidating, I would say. But uh, uh, if you've been with us uh, in this series, uh, just a little bit of review. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, Ken Howard kicked off the series by sharing that parenting starts with the gospel. And he shared the need for us to understand that not only we are sinners and in need of a savior, but certainly even that cute little newborn is a sinner. And if you're a parent here, it doesn't take long as we're raising our children to understand they have a bent towards doing wrong things, uh, then Ken went on to share that there's an imperative of instilling a, a gospel worldview, a biblical worldview, in our children and our and our grandchildren. It extends to our grandchildren. Uh, then last week, Paul Wampler was sharing on God's grace is sufficient. And Paul uh, was covering God's grace is sufficient in uh, not just the marriage and the parenting aspects of our f- families, but also the whole of uh, what, or what caregiving looks like in our families, uh, from the children uh, to sometimes elderly parents. And Paul used an acrostic uh, amp uh, to be amped or energized, Uh, The A he uh, had as attitude, certainly our attitude about caregiving is very important. Uh, Method in caregiving. Uh, What methods do we use in our caregiving and this whole idea of caring for our family? Uh, And then again, and sometimes uh, what we really need is perseverance in caregiving. And caregiving surrounded by the theme that God's grace is sufficient I can certainly testify that and will uh, about God's grace in my my own life. Uh, next week, Pastor Jason will be sharing on the subject of discipline, um, probably the more thorny of the issues and uh, one that could gender a little controversy. Uh, but uh, we're doing it kind of out of order because of uh, Mitchell being in the hospital. Praise the Lord. Mitchell came home yesterday. Uh, so uh, just to give Pastor Jay, a little break on the studying, and I can really appreciate how much time it takes to prepare uh, to, to stand up here on a Sunday morning. Uh, this morning, we'd like to look at uh, unity, uh, marriage being a partic- uh, yeah, picture of unity, uh, not only in marriage, but also in, in parenting. Uh, but first, my wife and I found a couple uh, humorous things. They say it's always good to start off with a few <laughs> uh, humorous items. Uh, this was the, under a list of things that could be entitled Universal Truths in Parenting. Uh, how about this one? Once you sign up for parenting, the only shift they offer is 24-7. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of what <laughs> I thought too. Uh, here's another one. Silence is golden until you have kids. Then silence is suspicious. Uh, what are they doing? Um, Then I really like this one. Having toddlers or teenagers is like having a blender, but you don't have a top for it. (laughs) It can be messy. (laughs) I hope this has never happened in your home, and I'm not even sure this happened in someone's home. It's frightening. If you use a waterbed as home plate while wearing baseball shoes, it does not leak. It explodes. A king-size waterbed holds enough water to fill a 2,000-square-foot house four inches deep. I'm not sure of their math, but either way, it's incredible. And then these, uh, the spin cycle on a washing machine does not make earthworms dizzy. It will, however, make cats dizzy. <laughs> and almost more frightening, cats throw up twice their body weight when dizzy. <laughs> a, a frightening picture. Well, you may be out there uh, thinking, uh, what qualifies you to share principles of?" about marriage or parenting or unity in parenting. And uh, my answer would have to be nothing except the abounding grace of God that's been poured into my life. Uh, Nothing but grace qualifies me to stand here as a parent or as a husband. And to help you understand that and where I'm coming from and and, uh, when we get to some scriptures about unity in the family and unity in parenting, Uh, I want to share part story, part testimony, so you know where I'm coming from. I was saved right after I got out of high school. I was 18 years old. Uh, I had been attending a youth group in a church. I had started going to this little evangelical Presbyterian church, particularly because it was a young lady that I was interested in going to this little Presbyterian church. And uh, so uh, I was playing the game. I was in the youth group. I was going to the rallies. but I was not saved. That's not to say I wasn't under conviction. I can remember sitting in uh, Youth for Christ rallies uh, at Delcey Regional High School, uh, literally gripping the wooden, they had real comfor- comfortable chairs now, they were wooden then. I can, I can remember my fingers gripping the wooden armrests because I knew I was in danger of hellfire. And back then they used to preach a lot about hell. But I kept playing the game, kept going to the youth group. Uh, After I graduated from high school, I arrived early for a youth activity before anybody else got there. And the pastor who probably saw through my facade had a chance to sit down with me and really share my need for Christ. And it was at that time that I gave my heart to Christ. Now, I would love to say and be able to stand here and say that I was got discipled and began to grow and spent time in the Word, but that was not the case. I was a kind of a uh, believer with not much knowledge. Well, Carol and I uh, dated through high school. uh, When she was uh, in her senior year, in February of that year, I asked her to marry me. And she said yes. She's sitting right out there. And I thought, Wow. First I thought, how hard can it be? And I thought, this is, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) stupid, right? (laughs) Every married couple here knows it can be incredibly hard. But I thought, how hard could it be? This is wonderful. I I was living on my own, I was 20 years old, living on my own for probably a year, had a nice little kind of efficiency apartment. I had a a almost new VW Bug, uh, ran great crashed it a couple times. but uh, So I had a nice little place. I had a new, uh, fairly new car. I had a good job. I was an apprentice electrician, job with a future, and now the woman of my dreams. And I thought, how hard can it be? Well, it's incredibly hard. Uh, and particularly, I confess, for a 20-year-old, young, male, selfish, not spiritually mature person. And that'll, I'm helping you to frame where I was when I began to parent. Well, my wife and I decided to, uh, after a few years, to have children. And um, much to my shame, I don't remember praying too much about this, although it ought to be a matter of great prayer. Uh, But we decided to have children. And again, I thought, how hard can it be Well, initially, it wasn't hard at all. It was almost like the Staples button, you know. That was easy. Uh, When we decided to have children, uh, it was almost immediately. I went a couple months, and I thought, wow, my wife is pregnant. This is really cool. I'm going to be a parent. Uh, But again, I was a selfish, young male, 20-year-old, 22-year-old at that time. Uh, Well, after the appointed time, my uh, son was born healthy uh, little boy, I was so proud, uh, so proud, uh, just, uh, you know, God's blessing, but I, I couldn't see through that biblical lens yet. Uh, a little more than two years later, my sweet daughter was born. If anything happens to me in my old age, it will be my daughter that will take care of me, <laughs> praise God. My son, I love my son, but he's practical, you yeah. know. Just put that in the woods, you would be okay. (laughs) So I have two children. Uh, I can't appreciate if you were here a couple weeks ago. Ken Howard shared a quote from the mother of a newborn about what she desired. And boy, I can remember a couple nights when this would have come into play. This young mother said, no, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. And uh, and boy, I can remember, uh, my, my son had colic for, it seemed like three years, but it was only a couple weeks, I guess. But, uh, uh, and a couple nights were, and I was the selfish sleeping husband, and but a couple nights I had to get up because she was wild-eyed. And I thought, man, I better spend some time walking this boy around the, around the room to calm him down. And uh, uh, praise God, it didn't last too long. Uh, but the, here I am now, fast forward now, I gotta, I gotta leave out a lot, because we wanna get to some scripture, but uh, fast forward uh, six years from the birth of my son, and uh, my life was consumed with work, my career, overtime, money, and family was probably down somewhere here. I, 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 I'm ashamed to say Typical of some young men. I was 20-something, thought I knew everything, was selfish and self-centered, and my life was completely oriented backwards from what God wanted. So, uh, working a lot of overtime. Uh, at the time, making a, a lot of money, uh, which I don't have any, i was spending it all anyway. Uh, and, uh, but God has a way of getting your attention and I see some heads bobbing. So one Sunday, I'm off. Finally, you know, they called off a Sunday and I'm home, but I'm too tired to go to church. A couple months prior to that, Carol had begun to attend church. She realized, praise God, that the children needed to be raised in the admonition, uh, or the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And she searched out a church and she found Faith Bible Church on Columbia Avenue in Byland. Uh, that was 1975, but on this particular Sunday, she had been gone a couple, uh, a couple months, I guess, and uh, even back then, it was a very welcoming, very friendly church. She'll testify that she came back the second week, they remembered her name. Uh, she really liked it, so she was taking the children, but on this one Sunday morning, my son was six, my daughter was four, uh, I'm too tired to go to church because I've been working six and seven days a week. Um, they're on their way out the door, and I can picture it as clearly as I'm standing here, although it was a long time ago. Uh, they're, they're getting ready to go to church, and the last thing I hear is, how come Daddy doesn't go to church? And I got emotional at first service, and I still do. So how, why, how come Daddy doesn't go to church? So if you've ever been stabbed in the heart by God, you, you know what's going on here. And I spent the next three and a half hours whatever Sunday school and church was until I got home wrestling with God about that very question, how come Daddy doesn't go to church? And I, at the end of that time, I committed that I would, to the best of my God-given ability, begin to attend church begin to read my Bible again, begin to raise my children to know Christ. And that began my biblical parenting, although with a lot of mistakes to come. Uh, So that's where I came from. So as as I'm talking today about unity in marriage and unity in parenting, I got a late start but I want to tell you that the grace of God, maybe you're here and you got a late start. Uh, maybe you're here you don't know Christ. Uh, maybe you're here and you're in a single parent. God pours grace in if you will ask him for it. Well, this morning I'd like to look at three points. We're looking at uh, marriage, the picture of unity uh, in parenting and in marriage. Uh, three points, uh, the need for unity, the maintenance of unity, and the source of unity. You might think that's a little backwards, but I'm going to tie the source back into the first week at the end. Uh, the need for unity, I think we'll all agree that uh, we need to have unity in marriage, right? And in parenting especially. Uh, from the beginning, uh, God intended that married couples would be one in marriage. Uh, you may have the verse... Uh, as Jesus was quoting the Old Testament, quoting Genesis chapter two in Mark chapter 10, verses seven and eight, let me read that. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one. Uh, we should note that God intended uh, the, this in mar- unity in marriage, uh, and by extension, Uh, unity in parenting, but it's much more than what the what the verse talks about. A lot of times we think of that as the physical union, but it's much deeper than that. There's an emotional unity and a a spiritual unity, uh, spiritual dimension that comes into that. Uh, But that said, we still have to go back to the fact that here's two people uh, from different backgrounds sometimes, two different people, two two different ways of thinking, uh, two different opinions on certain issues, uh, sometimes different opinions on marriage, sometimes different opinions, obviously, sometimes on parenting. Uh, and we can testify, I can testify to that, Carol. Uh, Carol and I come from very different backgrounds. I grew up in a nominally Episcopal uh, household. I never saw the inside of an Episcopal church. Well, I was there when they sprinkled me, but don't really remember that. Um, and for a few years, my grandfather played the organ in, uh, at the Wayne Presbyter- or Episcopal Church, uh, Wayne, Pennsylvania, for 35 years, he was well known. Uh, a few years, uh, when, my brother's, when my brother was, uh, we were eight or nine, he got us into the boys choir. I was about as close as I got to religious things, uh, except that, uh, by God's grace, I learned all the hymns of the faith uh, going just a couple years to that boys choir. So I grew up in a family that was, you know, my mom used to send us to two weeks of vacation Bible school just to get rid of us, like two different churches. Uh, Where she could get a rest from my brother and I continually bickering and fighting. Uh, And there, I stole some things, you know, I I remember a picture of the Lamb of God. I had no idea what that meant, but they gave me a plaque on a piece of uh, redwood, the Lamb of a Lamb. I didn't understand that until I got saved, and I said, the Lamb. touches you in different ways so that's my background totally our religious my wife on the other hand heard the gospel from when she could understand language and grew up uh, in the church going to church in Sunday school all the pins all the years the whole works and and, uh, accepted Jesus made a decision to accept Jesus into her heart when she was pretty young reaffirmed that decision she said I must have said she got saved twice, but she told me no. I didn't get saved twice. I only get saved once. Uh, but she uh, finally came to that age where she really understood salvation. So sh- she cemented that. So two, two different backgrounds. Uh, so how does that work? Uh, how how do we how do we put them together and make a unity in our marriages and our, in our parenting? And uh, certainly we can see that can cause. Uh, issues. Uh, let me give, give you an example. Uh, uh, the parents have determined that uh, the kids, when they get home from school, if they have homework, should be doing their homework. Uh, so uh, here's the scenario the kids come home, they have homework, they're, they're, they're doing their homework, but dad comes in and dad's working in the yard and he says, Hey, uh, kids, come on out in the yard, I need some help. Now, mom gets home a little while later from work and she says, uh, Why aren't you kids doing homework? And what do they say? Dad said, "Come out and help in the yard." So now we have a difference of opinion. What's more important, the work in the yard or the uh, or the homework, homework, study, do good? Uh, so we know there's there's a lot of opportunities for us to be not on the same page. And as parents, we need to be on the same page. Uh, it's important to understand that God views a couple, when their parents, as a couple, first and foremost. uh, Mom and dad are different, uh, but that should not upset the children. That doesn't confuse the children, that mom and dad are different. Uh, They'll understand that mom and dad are different, but they need to know that mom and dad are one, that they're in unity. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, let me read that. Uh, that children are to obey their parents. The word parents, are, well, let me read it. Children, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents, plural, in the Lord, for this is right, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, we already saw that God uh, has instituted that the couple would be one in their marriage, but He, God views us as a as a unit, as a unity in our parenting. Uh, And we ought to uh, uh, strive for that kind of a unity uh, and act in unity. That's how God intended it. Uh, We understand it's not always so. My heart goes out to single parents. Uh, My heart goes out to uh, where there's a believer and an unbeliever, where there can be conflict. But again, I I would direct you back to what Paul shared last week about grace, God pouring grace in but God had determined that we're to be a unity. The second thing we understand is that we're trying to uh, balance this uh, keeping on the same page is the fact that children know how to manipulate. Um, I know ours did, and uh, I can remember my brother and I, I have a younger brother, 15 months younger, we were pretty close, Uh, I can remember my brother and I had figured out that it was easier to ask dad for something that was a little sketchy or dangerous uh, because Dad was not as uh, Dad was older, he was not as tuned into what was going on. He worked in the city of Philadelphia. We lived in in Malvern, Pennsylvania, on the main line. And uh, if we wanted to ride our bikes at eight or nine to Paoli, seven or eight miles away, the next day, we would ask Dad at night, and then go to bed. And then in the morning, when Dad left for work, we would tell Mom we're riding to Paoli on our bikes today, and Mom would say, "Say what?" I said dad said it was okay so we need to communicate we needed some system uh, to uh, to stay on the same page uh, you know it may be a personal policy and I think it's not a bad policy to accept the most strict uh, position uh, because often uh, the kids will come and say, can I do something, dad? And uh, we ought to be saying, what mom say? Well, mom said no. Well, maybe no is where it ought to end unless there's more communication and more facts to come in. Uh, if, one ch- if one parent feels it's not safe for a sleepover in a certain circumstance, then maybe it's a good idea to go with the default and, and deny that for the time. So that both parents have a consistent game plan going. Uh, this takes communication, and my wife has told me over and over during our marriage that communication is not one of my better skills, uh, either as a husband or as a, as a parent. Uh, I can see some heads out there, mostly husbands, shaking that our communication skills aren't aren't as great as our wives. Um, and actually, my wife gave me this quote, and. Uh, she said, she reminded me, it's helpful to remember that communication is not just sharing your opinion, but backing it up with reasons and concerns and facts. Uh, and that was, that was me. I was the one making the decisions on discipline. Uh, I was the 20-something know-it-all, uh, not real good up until six, and I'm hoping my son remembers better things after that. But it, but it reminded me of what Paul said, again, back to that, that passage in Ephesians chapter six, down to verse four, uh, where he has a command for fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's a command to the fathers in this unity of parenting, mom and dad. And I am sure that I have exasperate, that I did exasperate, maybe still do, my children when they were young by some unreasonable parenting requests. So that that balances. That's that. That's another reason for the need for communication, for sharing, for being on the same page, for having our children see that mom and dad are a unity uh, that can be obeyed. The second point I'd like to make this morning is the maintenance of unity. Uh, We know from what Paul wrote that uh, unity is not something we create. Uh, We don't make unity. We don't read a book and uh, come up with a six-point plan to be unified, uh, although many try. Uh, We don't approach unity from a worldly perspective. Um, Again I want to go to what... uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, this is verses 1 to 3, it may be on the screen, although I can't read that from here. Uh, Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Obviously the context of this passage is the local church. It's talking about the unity we have uh, as as believers in the body of Christ and the fact that we maintain it, we don't manufacture it. Uh, the word there, to maintain, that's the, in the ESV, uh, could be keep or, guard, or really means to guard, to guard very carefully the unity in the church. Uh, but I think in the... uh, In the context where it says church, I think that we can certainly make an application uh, to the the husband and wife in the the marriage situation and in parenting. Uh, I think of what uh, Paul wrote to the Galatians, uh, walking in the spirit, Galatians chapter five. Uh, Also, uh, we want to look at Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. Uh, uh, Certainly, the attitude we have that comes into uh, play in this area of being, uh, being unified and maintaining that type of unity we need. Uh, and again, while this is not directly aimed at uh, the uh, marriage or in parenting, it certainly has, I believe, has application. But Paul wrote to the Philippian church: Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in all lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It's a powerful example of humility uh, in a relationship and the kind of humility that will foster unity, not only in the marriage, but in parenting. Uh, Our attitude should be that of Christ's. And if if you remember that passage, it goes on to speak of of how Jesus, the Son of God, very God himself, thought it not robbery, thought it not something he couldn't do to to be named as God, but took on, came to earth, lowered himself, took on flesh so that he could live a human life and die a death that would be satisfactory for human beings. That's the kind of humility, the lowering that Paul is talking about. And boy, when you think about what we need as to be unified in in our marriages or in our parenting, what better attitude could we have than that of Christ that puts another person uh, in in real humility and and submission toward the other person? Uh, Certainly goes a long way to providing that unity. And then lastly, and what could have been first, but I'm gonna tie this really into the first week, is the source of unity? Where's the where's the unity that we strive for come from? First, the unity in our marriages, and then the unity in our parenting endeavor. Uh, unity begins way before the children arrive. Uh, it really begins um, in our own salvation and our own relationship with the Lord. Uh, then it's uh, reinforced, as uh, we read in in Mark chapter 10, where where Jesus says the husband and wife are one. Uh, and we begin to understand that, that our real unity comes from our oneness with Christ. Uh, it's like that old uh, picture of a triangle, two people, uh, husband, wife, they want to get closer together, but the third part of the triangle is the Lord. Well, they can try to get closer together, but if they're both moving closer to the Lord, then by extension, they're both moving closer to one another. So this whole concept and this whole subject of unity in marriage and parenting really is coming back to our unity in Christ. Uh, In his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, this was right before, it was after the Last Supper and right before Jesus would be arrested, uh, in a very lengthy prayer, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and by extension, every believer that would come to Christ after that, right up until us in this room today. And he says this in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus was praying for a a different kind of unity. He was praying for a unity of love, uh, a unity of commitment to God's word, and a unity of commitment to God's will. And as, as we see that, as we view ourselves in unity with Christ, um, we understand that it's bringing all the other relationships into that kind of unity we're talking about this morning. Uh, in Second Corinthians, very familiar verse, uh, where, uh, chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul talks about the new creation. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We are something new in Christ. We are in Christ. Uh, being in Jesus means walking in the light, as, as I referenced John in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, and when both parents, again, are walking in Christ or walking in the light or walking by the Spirit, as Paul used the phrase a number of times, then our unity as parents and our unity as husband and wife is naturally growing into what God intended. And then one last scripture, what Paul said certainly very clearly in, in uh, Galatians, uh, to the Galatian church, uh, Galatians chapter three, verses 26 to 28, he said this about our being in Christ. He said, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, And a believing husband and a wife, uh, a mom and a dad living in union with Jesus uh, make it possible to enjoy the benefit of that unity in their marriage and in their parenting. And so I think you can see we've come full circle from uh, from the first week where Ken Howard shared about beginning with a gospel message uh, and how important that is to begin to frame our parenting and our marriages. Uh, we began with that thought. the gospel message, the imperative to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A biblical world grew, <laughs> world view. And that takes grace. We saw that last week, God pouring grace in. Us. I shared that about my own life. Uh, and that God's grace is sufficient for every circumstance we go through. I can testify to that. And then today we've looked at uh, this kind of unity stemming from that relationship that each individual has with Christ, bringing that into a a, a Christian marriage, and as Christian parents, staying close to Christ and being on the same page. Uh, That kind of unity doesn't come from self-effort. Uh, That unity doesn't come from books. It doesn't come from the world. Uh, If you're here today and and you don't have that kind of unity, you don't know that, that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, I would encourage you. I don't care what stage of life, whether you're parents still, whether your children are grown and gone, whether you're in later stages of life, the burning question remains, what will you do with Jesus Christ? Will you accept him as your Savior? Uh, My heart goes out to single parents, uh, particularly a a believer in an unbeliever situation or a, a parent trying to raise children on their own. My heart goes out to you, but I would go back and have you think about what Paul said last week about grace. God's grace poured in makes up the difference. I knew that. I lost six years. Six years being a knucklehead but God's grace filled in the holes and by his grace I'm proud of my children you know sometimes I think of grandparents God's given us the uh, amazing blessing of being grandparents and I see a lot of smiles uh, and also so, sometimes God gives you do-overs as grandparents you know, I, I can remember, I, I didn't spend enough time hugging my kids. I didn't spend enough time holding my kids. I had a lot of time to hug my grandkids. Sometimes God gives you do-overs. Maybe I was a little hard on discipline, although we try to stay out of discipline, of course they're they're mostly all grown now, three four of them are in college, uh, which is scary, um, but giving you a do-over to do with your grandchildren what you couldn't do or didn't do or should have done with your children. Uh, God's grace again. Uh, So single parent, grandparent, God's grace is enough for us. You know, the title of the series, uh, I always thought, (laughs) when they asked me to to share a week, I always thought it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. The, the official title is "What No One Told Us About Parenting." <coughs> Excuse me. What No One Told Us About Parenting and Other Scary Stories. Uh, but the good news is God has told us. Uh, and I would go to, and I'll end with this. Uh, I would go to uh, Second Peter, chapter one, verse three, where Peter writes this to the church. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let me say that again. Is there anything he left out? Is there anything in God's divine power that he left out? Was there any clue to parenting that he left out that we couldn't find in his word? Was there any of uh, any item of information that would help our marriages that he left out? Was there anything in our relationships that he left out that we would need to know? No, it says he has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. I can testify to you today, as I said in the beginning, it is by God's grace that I stand before you today. And if my family can be looked at as ain't having any any merit, and I am so proud of all of them, it is because of God's grace, abundantly poured in uh, to make up for a lot of things that I didn't know. I hope that encourages your heart, particularly of the unity we have in Christ Jesus. Not only as a church, and I look around and, and see that unity here, but the individual in our, in our relationships and what that does, the joy that that brings to a marriage and to a parenting situation. Father, we thank you uh, again for your grace. Father, the older I get, the more I am amazed at your grace, amazing as it is. Father, you pour it in at sometimes just the right time. Father, your grace makes allowances for our mistakes. Father, when our heart gets right, your grace smooths the way in all our relationships. Father, I pray as we've talked about unity today that our first thought would be unity with you through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Father, and then that unity would flow out into our families, Father, however you have ordained it, that, Father, you would bless us. And as Jesus pointed out in 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 his prayer, that the world might know that we follow Jesus and that's something different about us. So, Father, we thank you again for this day. I thank you for this great privilege. Father, be with us, bless us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Max. Yes, give him a hand. Absolutely. So as Max says, uh, I think that passes 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Parenting, grandparenting, working, students, as, a, as our children as students, And so as we close out next week with discipline of how as parents we can, I was telling Max earlier, discipline, and I'll give you a little sneak peek, is really just training up our young people to live like godly adults. And that's what we're going to learn about next week. So we'll close out this series. So hopefully you learned a lot. And so thank you so much again, Max. Let's stand together and we'll just close quickly with another word of prayer and send you guys home. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Just learn from your word. Learn from godly men who have been here, who have done parenting. And so, Lord, just may we take note and apply these things to our lives. But understanding, as Max said so clearly this morning, that it's only by your power and your grace that we can accomplish these things. And so, help us as we leave here today to live out the gospel, to live for unity, to, to seek your grace in everything. And so, Lord, God, and direct us. We love you. And we thank you so much for the cross and what it means for us. Again we do again pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, God and direct them, keep them safe and do your will in our world. And we look forward to the day, Lord, where you'll come and get us to take us home to be with you. And, we, and may we continue to serve you faithfully until then. And we ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. You are dismissed. have a great week.